Welcome to Ed Talks, an audio podcast presented by Achieve Minneapolis and the Citizens League. Ed Talks is a lively series of community conversations about public education and related issues that impact our young people. Each Ed Talks features two compelling short presentations by cutting edge educators, youth advocates, students, artists, or community leaders. Ed Talks is supported by generous grants from the Bush Foundation and Comcast. This Ed Talks is titled, Where is Mental Health Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Work? Our featured speaker is Jamil Stamsher-Lott. Jamil is a mental health professional who practices psychotherapy with individuals, hosts community healing sessions, and works with businesses to incorporate mental health, diversity, and inclusion through a therapeutic lens. Jamil and his wife Sarah co-founded Creative Caponia, an organization that focuses on out-of-the-box, community-based, and creative methodologies to bring about healing for individuals, communities, and businesses. Jamil also teaches diversity and equity courses in Augsburg University's Graduate Social Work Program. He has been named a Mentor of the Year by New Lens Urban Mentoring and received Marquette University's Young Alumni of the Year Award in 2014. He holds a BA in Sociology from Marquette University and a Master's Degree in Clinical Social Work from Augsburg University. This virtual Ed Talk was live streamed live online on January 14th, 2021. Featured in this photo, you'll see my grandfather and I in the late 80s working in his backyard and his garden that he had put in so much work for. You see, my grandfather lived in a tent for a year of his childhood with his parents as they would save enough to buy a house. Despite this obstacle, in so many more, he would find himself at The Ohio State University as a student in the late 40s. He was one of two blacks allowed to play on the football team, an unwritten rule sanctioned by the conference. The poor treatment, as you could imagine, was so unbearable for him, he would eventually discontinue playing after his first year, leaving behind all that he had worked for in his hopes to become a dentist. He was sitting in sadness and sorrow, wishing he had accomplished his goal for the remainder of his life until he passed in 2016, a year I'll never forget. He joined the military soon after, near the time of the Korean War. Afterward, he would return home, bringing back work ethic, the resiliency, and acquire skills and implement that into his family putting five black beautiful children through college to attain both bachelor's degrees and a few master's degrees during the 70s. His work in the steel mill, he would invest his newly found skills and work ethic into, and also saving enough money to put a down payment on a home. However, regardless of all his accomplishments, being the first from his town in Ohio to play for the Buckeyes, he was denied the loan for the house to take care of his family, all because he was black. He would need to use his sophistication, his creativity, and networking to find a former white football friend that respected his work ethic and admired how he had overcome so much. His friend told him, come all the way out, miles away. I know it's a, I know it's a lot, but I will, I will approve you for this loan. You see, my grandfather's basic needs were only met when a white citizen approved. This was a systematic denial of an opportunity to purchase a home. 
to grow your wealth and security for your family's environment? What does that do to your mind, to your body, to your nervous system? How does that impact your sense of self-worth, self-control? How does this show in your family and in generations to come? My mother featured here in all her beauty, brilliance, and resilience acquired a nursing degree in four years from Kent State University. She has now been practicing at the University of Minnesota Hospital for over 20 plus years. A task not easily accomplished after experiencing instructors in high school denying her the grades she earned because she was black. Telling other white students don't associate with her because she's black. Sitting in class as the only African-American student and hearing your instructor say, why don't they just send blacks back to Africa? A 14-year-old girl by herself. What do you do when your instructors are your bullies? How does this affect your mind, your body, and your nervous system, and your sense of safety and security in those moments, in moments to come? How does this show up for you and your family and for generations to come? My family was subsidized by education. If not for them, I would not learn in school how African-Americans contributed to this country being the wealthiest country. In fact, they would not be the wealthiest country in this world today if not for them. Not only did I learn this resiliency building formally by sharing narratives, but also anytime we went to bed, I would say, or we would say, I love you. Anytime we departed shared spaces, I love you. Being in a world that created the terms white, black, in laws to increase the positive narratives and experiences of whites and the opposite for blacks and other marginalized groups, I had to constantly fight not only white folks and others who believe they were superior to me, I had internally battled with myself to not let the power of these experiences override what I learned and knew to be true, that I too am worthy, and my black life matters too. However, this is a very, very difficult mission when you have other black folks breaking under the most powerful nation's hatred in oppressive ways. Some blacks would displace or project their oppression onto others that look like me or them. Making comments such as, you're too black, and your lips are too big, and so on. You know the old adage though, hurt people hurt people. And I would add that trauma spreads like COVID-19. So subjected to the mistreatment by so many others and sitting in advanced placement classes in high school, looking around and seeing the same two black folks and a sea of white students and Asian students. I too would eventually fall victim to the same negative notions, thinking, how did that black man get into that nice car? He must be a drug dealer. This is internalized impression, hate, anti-blackness. We have all been conditioned to think like this to some degree. Along my working career, I decided to pursue my master's degree in clinical mental health. At a time I was transitioning from doing restorative work in the juvenile lack of justice system. And going into the school system, 
hoping to catch black folks at an earlier age with the goals of intervening and disrupting this trauma and disparities. In both these spaces, I noticed that black youth represented 80 plus percent of those in detention centers and special educations. <laughs> the irony. When applying to grad school, I asked my white, wealthy, liberal female friend to edit my personal statement. The only feedback I recall is her challenging my statement that there are very few African-American social workers in Minnesota. It wasn't until she did her own research to find some official numbers that I was actually correct. This not only fell into the microaggression realm along with the, your reality is not true. I'm superior to you and have the authority to validate your experience. What does that say to me about the way I'm experiencing the world? Am I crazy? Can I trust myself? Do I belong in this collegiate or professional institution? You see, these moments trigger all the past pains and traumas black folks have endured for so many years. Wrestling with low self-esteem, imposter syndrome, negative implicit biases about black folks, and so on. I would fight back this internalized hate, oppression, and anti-blackness to complete my master's degree only for those symptoms to reappear when it was time for me to prep for my licensing exam. In the summer of 2016, after much anxious studying, practicing calming techniques and prayer, I passed. After four long hours in a dark room, I exited the building into the warm summer sun, which matched my internal happiness, knowing that I had overcome the oppression, the hate, the imposter syndrome, only to have this moment quickly overshadowed by the horrific news that Philando Castile had been violently murdered, shot several times for doing nothing but driving with he and some loved ones. He worked in the same St. Paul public school system as me. He was brown and tall like me, driving in his car with his partner and a baby girl in the back like me once again, the statistical evaluation seems to match the systemic devaluation of this population. As time passed, there were more deaths brought to the attention of this nation in a similar fashion. This imagery flooded our mass media airways and social media streams. It didn't take long to realize that these moments not only overshadowed our achievements, but they struck a deeper cord triggering the unhealed trauma of generations being systematically denied loans for their homes, for their businesses, denied the ability to protect yourself and your loved ones from harm. 2020, like 2016, would go down as another unforgettable year. Despite my new strategy to avoid the painful imagery of black human bodies being mutilated by white bodies, Ahmaud Aubrey and police bodies, George Floyd. I, like many Americans, could not look away, had no choice in the matter. I was forced to witness the carnage. Our media streams care not as much about your well-being as their bottom line. You must protect yourself. 
So at this point, I mentioned trauma about a hundred times. So what is it and how does it show up? Trauma is anything that happens too soon, too much, too fast, overwhelming the nervous system, which is designed to protect and predict threat and safety for your body. Another definition I find helpful is not so much the experience, but how you are impacted by the experience. In other words, anything leaving you feeling disconnected, devalued, powerless, and out of control is trauma, while producing traumatic effects such as shame, guilt, and self-hatred, similar to that as my grandfather when he didn't graduate from school and become that dentist that he dreamed to be. Cognitive distortions, imposter syndrome, I'm not good enough to be here. Mental illness, drug and alcohol abuse. J. Cole said, and you wonder why we inhale already. Because we inhale already. So at Creative Caponia, my wife and I's mental health agency, we had already been called on like no other to address mental health in these COVID times. However, once the world was inundated with these visuals of multiple police and other white folks killing unarmed black folks, the request became even greater and my body was taxed like no other. What do you do as a mental health professional when your trauma is triggered and you're unable to process your pain? How do you offer quality service? How do working professionals do this in general, especially in high stakes professions with high human interaction with the potential to both contract and pass on unhealed trauma? Our schools, our legal profession, policing profession, corporate professions, and so on. What do you do? I'm gonna leave you with two final takeaways and a special bonus. One, my mentality is anything but what these realities be. So I encountered a study stating that 50% of millennials and 75% of Gen Zers have left a job due to mental health related matters. 128 Americans take their lives by suicide a day the highest rate in 50 years. Secondhand trauma is a very serious and real thing. If you are like me, you have seen teachers having crying spells in the classroom or in our hallways. You have seen them physically attack students on their worst days. This happens for other working professionals too. Dr. Rachel Yuhada, professor of psychiatry and neuroscience tells us, Environments and circumstances that produce trauma can be passed on genetically. So in other words, if we do not transform our trauma, we can transmit it, for better or for worse. She and other psychosocial professionals are finding data telling us a narrative of genes being altered to protect you. However, what happens when you're programmed to be hypervigilant anxious, the terminator, in an environment that calls for you to be relaxed. Leaving so many of us vulnerable to microaggressions, triggering past pain and sending us off into the deep end. 
It is important for our institutions, schools, nonprofits, businesses, and the like to cultivate environments that address the whole body being. Make conversations about mental health the norm, and if possible, have free accessible therapy on site. And I'm talking about our teachers and working professionals. This is exactly what my wife and I did in our organization, Creative Caponia, in our partnership with Allsquare, a Minneapolis restaurant named Time Magazine's 100 Greatest Places in the World in 2019. We have seen the retention rate improve for employees and their capacity to handle conflict grow as we provided mental health discussions and therapy in our integrated model. I must have a therapist as a therapist to be a healthy therapist. Finally, research shows that every dollar invested in mental health, diversity, and inclusion work, our orgs can have as much as a $19 return. That's an estimated 2,000% return on your investment. And we're not just talking dollars here. That's an investment on your well-being for yourself, your employees, in your business community. Second takeaway, hidden figures. I think of the figure I would be if these figures weren't hidden from me. We need to start telling the whole truth and nothing but the comprehensive truth. <laughs> I recently had a black African-born collegiate scholar tell me America is so self-centered. Other countries learn about other countries, as well as their own. You all just learn about yourselves. I've heard of high schools banning discussions on Black Lives Matter in students and staff wearing Black Lives Matter attire, claiming it is political. Since when do we not discuss politics in our schools? Even though this was a very long time ago, I recall doing mock voting in elementary school walked into the, to the little makeshift booth, checked Bill Clinton, got my little red sticker and rocked it for the rest of the day. Our schools are funded by politics. Our unions are embedded in politics. <laughs> but isn't it interesting that when we discuss the black experience, their reality is once again denied. You see, we can't keep admitting the all-inclusive truth it doesn't just do black folks a disservice to deny our realities and contributions to society, but it hurts us all. Take these two things into consideration. Big Bank City Group recently published a report stating that the past 20 years, the U.S. has lost $16 trillion due to racism, which only a few short years ago was our national debt. Think of the place we could be in right now. Two, the American Medical Association recently took ownership, saying one, racism is alive and real till this day, and it is a threat to the public health for all US citizens. Secondly, we have contributed to the harm being done to African Americans in all, and we vow to right our wrongs. When the comprehensive truth is not told, it imposes on our biases negatively. It impacts our well-being collectively. 
without honoring the whole body narrative, it one, leads to internalized shame and self-blame, similar to that of my grandfather, in not achieving his goals. It also causes others to victim blame. If you think being devalued and denied one's basic needs is not traumatic, and that you should just get over it, even if your genes haven't, you're adding to the harm of not just one group, but to yourself and the entire country. And now, for that bonus, a special note to black folks. My ancestors passed on resiliency through stories of success. And by finding ways to address their trauma and by undergoing traumatic experiences, epigenetics. No matter if you're in the streets or in the suites, you are here despite targeted efforts to oppress and or destroy you. These were of the greatest efforts in the world. Black folks, you are an incredible people, beautiful and brilliant, sexy and resilient, sophisticated, cultivated black humans. Look at your accomplishments. There is nothing you cannot do, and I am proud of you. Ed Talks is presented by Achieve Minneapolis and the Citizens League. Thanks to our generous sponsors, the Bush Foundation and Comcast. For more information on Ed Talks or to watch Ed Talks videos or listen to audio podcasts, visit AchieveMPLS.org.